Live from Gross Point, Michigan, it's time for the number one radio show in the private service industry, where private service professionals can discuss topics that pertain to their industry. And now, here is your host, DEMA National President, Matthew Hack. Hello and welcome to DEMA Live. DEMA Live is a podcast radio show for the private service industry intended to bring private service professionals, vendors, principals, and recruitment agencies together to discuss topics of interest to the high net worth service industry. DEMA Live is produced by the Domestic Estate Management Association, a professional trade association intended to serve those that serve others. Our website is www.domesticmanagers.com. Our show is broadcast live on blogtalkradio.com on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time. If you're listening to the show live, you can log into the Blog Talk Radio website to submit questions online. During the show, you can also text questions to 313-404-3998. Once again, that number to text questions to is 313-404-3998. My name is Matthew Hack. I'm the president of the Domestic Estate Management Association, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined today by my special co-host, DJ Haverkamp, a private service professional who's based out of New York. On today's show, DJ and I are going to be joined by Ray Nugent. Ray, along with his father, Ray and Ray Jr., his wife, Gwen, and his daughter, Olivia, and his sister, Carolyn, own and operate Nugent Appraisal Services. Nugent Appraisal Services is based in Florida with seven offices throughout the state. The company started in 1976 and has provided 40 years of appraisal services. Today we'll be discussing a variety of topics related to personal property appraisals. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get the show kicked off. As always, let me go ahead and welcome my co-host for the show today, DJ Haverkamp. DJ, how are you doing today? Hi, Matt. Great to be here again today. Things are things are well. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in New York. But um, we have a lot to talk about with Ray, so let's just bring him on and get him uh, on the show, and let's get things rolling. All right. Sounds like a plan. Well, we'll go ahead and do that. And uh, uh, Ray, well, let me uh, go ahead and be the first to welcome you here to Dima Live. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks, DJ. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. Well, we're definitely excited about the show and the topic today. I think there's a lot of uh, things that we need to cover, and you're just the guy to provide us with all the information to make that happen. So um, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with us today. Uh, before we jump in to talk about some of the details of asset appraisals, I thought maybe you could share with our listeners a little more about yourself and your career in the appraisal industry. I sure will. Listen, thanks again. I'm, I uh, always appreciate the opportunity to uh, share our profession and what we do, so hopefully it'll be informative. Um, I uh, I came into the family business about 15 years ago, and uh, real fortune, my father. Uh, you know, there's some confusion. We're you know not unusual. We're both named Ray. He's actually junior. I'm the third. But kind of in the business, we we I just call him senior, and I'm kind of junior. It's just easier for folks. So uh, my father uh, started the business uh, 40 years ago in uh, Naples, Florida, and uh, he was actually a book retailer. And uh, people kept coming into him, asking him about the values of their books. And uh, sooner or later, he realized, look, I got to figure out how to value books, how to appraise books. And then he started with books and then spiraled out to manuscripts and documents and then ultimately into, like, residential contents and fine art. 
And uh, so that's really, that was the growth of our business. When I came into the business about 15 years ago, I had a business background and more of a kind of a marketing, internet uh, development, business development background. I became schooled, went to school, learned how to appraise, uh, was tested, was accredited, and then, and then I took my experience of developing business into a larger scope, so I took it out of Naples and then grew the business around the state of Florida, and now we're actually fortunate to travel all over the United States. The blessing of having a family business, of course, is being able to work with your family, and uh, my wife, Gwen, is actually an accredited appraiser with uh, an association, and also my daughter now, third generation, is our accredited gemologist. So uh, we've got the whole family working here. Uh, we all work in different offices around the state, and uh, I actually uh, centrally locate myself in Fort Lauderdale. That's a good section. That's a good area for me because I'm usually traveling down to Miami, up to Jupiter, and then, uh, and then my father and, uh, and my sister travel over on the west coast of Florida. So uh, we've got it covered, and it's a blessing to work with family. Absolutely, and I think that that's a great story that you're uh, that, that you guys have as far as the family-owned business and the way that you guys have been able to grow over the years. So we're really excited to have someone like you and, and your company as part of the association. Um, one of the reasons that we had you guys on the show is because we feel that this is definitely a way that our members can bring value to the principals is by being well-versed in the process of appraising personal property and helping their principals stay on top of insurance requirements. So if we could start there and have you give our listeners a little overview about the appraisal industry in general. Absolutely. So uh, most folks probably uh, have have had their home appraised or a home appraised that they wanted to purchase or refinance. So that's called a real estate appraisal. We're personal property appraisers, so we appraise the contents within someone's home, in and around their home. So we kind of say it to, uh, you know, to give them a visual. If we were able to, you know, pull their house up, uh, rip off the roof, turn it upside down, and shake it. Everything that falls to the ground is considered personal property, okay? And so that's, what, that's actually what we appraise. Um, ultimately, you know, what an appraisal is, is it's, it's simply an, an independent, disinterested valuation of an item. And, and obviously that's very important when there are – uh, say, two parties involved in trying to understand what the value of something is, and they both could possibly have a vested interest in that value. That's when a third-party independent expert is helpful in, in order to determine that value. Okay, well, I'm sure many of our listeners are already familiar with some of the reasons that appraisals are done. But could you elaborate uh, just briefly on some of the common reasons individuals or organizations use your services? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the main reasons why people come to us in, in order to get evaluation is it's either uh, need-driven uh, or want-driven, like they, they need an appraisal. So a need would be, for, say, insurance scheduling. They're insuring, uh, they're, 
direct writer, their insurance company, has told them that they need to have a value in order to schedule insurance. Another reason would be, for instance, like the IRS. The Internal Revenue Service has told them that they need an appraisal of the value of the assets as of the date of death in order for a tax filing. Okay. Another reason is, uh, say, a judge uh, or an estate attorney would uh, requires would ask them to get an appraisal for an equitable distribution. Say, there's been a death in the family and there's multiple beneficiaries. Okay. Then these 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 beneficiaries need to know an independent valuation so they can make. Uh, an equitable distribution of the assets. Another reason, another need, of course, is related to the IRS, and that's for a charitable donation. Uh, when people have assets that they would like to donate to a charitable organization in order to receive a tax deduction, the IRS requires an independent appraisal by an IRS qualified appraiser to certify the fair market value in order to itemize that tax deduction. Okay, another reason is uh, what we call marital dissolution or divorce. Unfortunately, there's times when uh, the two parties just cannot to come to a meeting of the minds of the value of, of their assets, of their marital assets. So an independent appraiser has to step in and value those assets and provide that information to a court or a mediator so uh, an uh, equitable uh, division can be made. Um, another, uh, of course, is, uh, is in order to make an informed selling or buying decision. Uh, somebody has their eye on something and they want to know uh, what would be a fair market value, then we step in as consultants and help them understand what would be a fair value to either purchase the item or to sell the item. And then um, an, an, one last reason that typically pops up is for uh, collateral reasons for lending activities. Uh, now, higher value excuse me, higher net wealth individuals are uh, more frequently are leveraging collections and personal property assets uh, in order to um, borrow money. And, uh, and so the banks, uh, the lending institutions uh, come to us and have us uh, independently value. So those are really the the most frequent reasons why we produce uh, an independent report. That's, that's great, Ray. That's, some, that's a really great list. I, I was curious. I know that a lot of us who work in estate management or private service uh, really help our principals because a lot of them will have a financial portfolio that they're very much oftentimes very on top of as far as knowing where, their assets are from the investments that they've made are at. But a lot of times they'll have a lot of items like you're just mentioning as far as personal property that they may not be as on top of as far as like even where they're at or what they all have. And so when you mention personal property, what are, what are the kind of things that if, uh, you know, when I'm working as an estate manager or any of our members are working as estate managers, are going to help their principal kind of keep track of what would be some of the items that they might want to have appraised on a regular basis, say for insurance purposes or 
or just to kind of know the valuation of their items. What, what are some of the things that, that you would be doing appraisals of? Great, TJ. Great question. Um, so uh, really the, the personal property uh, items, the categories of items that probably more frequently should be on the radar of, uh, of the principals are, are the items that are in more of a dynamic market. So those are the items that the values would tend to fluctuate uh, uh, more frequently and in, in a greater range of value. And the first that comes to mind, of course, is fine art. Okay, and so um, that that's a given that uh, the fine art uh, market is very dynamic. And uh, so so those are tip that fine art is typically a category where uh, it behooves uh, not only the owner to to know more frequently the value in order to protect themselves uh, and uh, from loss, but also from potential you know tax impact if if there is a, a change in status uh, or even from a change in family members or or uh, marriage and so on so um, that would be the category that is most uh, is most frequently appraised by us another of course is uh, is jewelry uh, jewelry tends to uh, fluctuate uh, people don't most people don't realize, but you know, gemstones and diamonds—they are commodities, and uh, and and there's a a, a market uh, for gemstones and diamonds. So that value fluctuates. And and the other thing is that what we call collectibles, which is kind of a catch-all uh, category of items, collectibles can uh, they can include uh, coins, uh, books, um, sports memorabilia. Uh, wine, um, guns, and so on. So uh, these are uh, these are things that uh, that people, when especially when they have a passion for collecting, then all of a sudden you know you add a piece here and there, and all of a sudden you turn around and this collection has gotten quite large and and deep and and wide and so on. So. Um, those are the items really that that need to be on the radar. The ones that probably are a little bit more static would be less would be the the things that are typically in most homes, like furniture and uh, furnishings and rugs and lighting and stuff like that. Now that's certainly those things all have value, but they don't tend to fluctuate as much in value. Okay. So, so what about things like if, if uh, like antique cars? If my if my principal is a big car collector, are there certain things that are specialty sort of things that you guys wouldn't deal with that you would need to go to a specialist that's more in tune with that particular item, or is are you guys sort of equipped to see you get an evaluation on just about anything? Yeah, that's another great question. Uh, and you, the antique cars, you've you've hit right on uh, an item that uh, is a, a very unique special item and uh, you know we're we're general personal property appraisers so uh, I mean we go into you know our core market is to going into residences of 10,000 square feet or above and 
and then usually multiple residences, people that have multiple residences. And, you know, we go in uh, with a team of examiners and appraisers, and, and, you know, we're doing, you know, gathering information and digital images and descriptions. And so typically our reports are appraising, certifying the value of hundreds, if not thousands, of items. Um, Now, uh, there are items that we are simply out of our area of expertise. Uh, and one of those would be uh, antique cars. Typically, an antique car appraiser is an appraiser that really, he, that is all he or she would appraise is antique cars because it's, it's a very special skill set to understand the different uh, dynamics, the characteristics of, of value of an antique car. But I would suggest to, uh, to folks that are listening that, and, and we can get into this in just a little bit more about how to, you know, choose and select uh, an appraiser professional. Uh, but uh, the important thing is to be, uh, you know, to ask a lot of questions and to not assume that an appraiser has the ability to appraise an item. You, you want to to question the appraiser and say, you know, do you have the knowledge? Do you have the skill set? Uh, can you appraise these items? And it's it's a code of ethics that we operate under. That we we obviously, if we do not have the ability to appraise something, then we must you know disclose that, and then we must step back, and then we will work to then uh, bring in an expert in that area that would uh, that would be able to appraise that item. Okay, well, that makes sense. So can you tell us how the appraisal process works and kind of how, how, how it's done? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's really there's, there's three what we call approaches to appraising. Uh, there's uh, the income approach, um, there is the cost approach, and then there is the market comparison approach to value. Probably 95% of personal property, we utilize the market comparison approach to value. And basically what that means is that we're going to compare the subject item, your item, to other exact or similar like, kind, and quality items that have either recently sold or that are being offered to sell. So the market has already determined the value of every item based on you know recent market data and we don't determine the value the market determines the value in other words you know something is truly worth what someone else is willing to pay for it okay or what that item is being offered in the market so what we do as appraisers is it's the the same process over and over again it's the same methodology it's examination of the item, gathering information that allows us to then identify the item, and then once identified, then we do that market comparison where we're, you know, comparing the item to other items, and then it's a report production where we're presenting the information to the person. So there's two ways that we actually appraise items. We either do an on-site examination where we will come right to where the assets are and we gather digital images and descriptions and say documents of origination. All we're doing is gathering information, okay? Or the second way 
is what we call remote appraisal, where people provide that information to us. Oftentimes, people already have all of that information. And in in honesty, they don't need us to come and be redundant and gather that information, okay? So the remote appraisal process, it it has picked up tremendously in, 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 say, the last five years because more and more people are becoming comfortable with, number one, taking digital images and digital image technology and sharing images and scanning documents and sharing documents. So a person that has one or two or three items, and they can be high-value items, um, they can share that information with us. And then we step in in the appraisal process at the identification level and then the market comparison and then the valuation method. And this this procedure of a remote appraisal meets the highest standard required by insurance companies, government agencies, and the courts. So it's not less of an appraisal. It's just a, a more efficient, cost-effective way to appraise. So that's, uh, that is a nutshell what we do. It's the same process if it's 500 items in a house. It's the same process over and over again. Uh, gathering either gathering the information to identify it, and then and then uh, and then tapping into the marketplace to see what the market has determined the value is, and then producing the report, and that is the appraisal process. So that report then is that a certificate of some kind, or what? How does that? What does that report consist of? Yeah. So. The, the report is uh, – the most important thing about the report is that it, it, it be user-friendly, that it be easy to understand. It's not our goal to impress people with a report, okay, and, and overwhelm them with all of this terminology that they don't understand and connoisseurship of language that is unique to the item – I mean, that's really not the goal. The goal is to provide information to our client that's easy to understand and, of course, is accurate, okay? So we really focus on presenting the information in a report of, number one, what is the item, literally? What is it? Describe, we describe it so the person can understand what it is. And number two produce images of the item so they can, you know, look at the report, look at their item, and then say, okay, this is the item in the report, and this is the item here in my residence. And then, of course, the value. And, and so that's the key point is to, you know, what, what we say in our business is that someone should be able to walk into a residence with our report in their hand and never – have been in that residence before, and they should be able to walk through that residence and be able to identify items from our report. That's really what our goal is, to make it that straightforward and, and friendly to understand. Now, there's times when we're valuing very high-value items, and, there, and, and the client, the user of the port, would like to understand what we call the the valuation rationale. They want to understand why is this item this value, 
okay? And that's when we get into a narrative of how we arrived at that value. It could be, say, a painting. And, uh, and we're going to look at, say, five other paintings by that artist that have recently sold. And then we're going to then kind of rank the five comparable paintings. And we're going to describe why we think painting number one and painting two are more relevant to the subject painting. Okay? And, and that's necessary because it, they need to understand why the value is what it is. And then oftentimes we provide additional information uh, about, say, an artist's background or biography or a, uh, an, a manufacturer of something and when they started and, and where they are now and where they grew to and, and so on. So we'll provide additional information or it might be about a genre of an item that, you know, it was a, a, a porcelain item and, and this porcelain manufacturer started out in the south of France back in the 17th century and so on. So just information that allows them to understand the importance of, of their piece. So what we're doing is... Hey, Ray. Right. Um, let me. Let me yeah. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me. I just want to go back to a, a point that you just were talking about. When when we're talking about like when, when the person has their the the individual has their appraisal done, um, and we're, let's let's use for example the the artwork that you talked about, and you guys use the other three um, similar okay. pieces to to give that appraisal. How often should a individual go back and have the appraisal redone? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, typically, the the, uh, the industry, the uh, insurance industry, likes to have fine art done about every three years. Okay, and and that's usually that's typical. And uh, the and and I suggest to people that they have it done every three years, even if it's not uh, say in their policy, because the problem is that if they're if there were a claim, if there if there was a problem, then the you know we do expert witness testimony. We testify in court to to support our independent valuation. And uh, as we all know, it's you know it's not a slam on the insurance industry, but as we all know, they're they're reluctant to pay out claims, and so they're going to try to look at ways to reduce. Uh, their exposure to claims, and one of the ways sure. they're going to do it is uh, an, an, uh, something not being appraised frequently enough in a dynamic market. So. Okay, and that's not just our work. That's I mean, there's there's a lot of categories I'm sure that will fall uh, into that um, into that that every three year category. So I'm sure that's something that if people wanted to to get more information, I'm sure that you can supply them with that. Um, information. One of the things I was looking at on your website that I found extremely interesting, and I think you just mentioned it a little bit, but um, I saw that um, you guys also do appraisals for government agencies. Can you tell us a little bit about that aspect of your business? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one thing that's, uh, that, that drives our, our industry is, is called uh, USPAP. USPAP is an acronym, U-S-P-A-P, for Uniform Standard of Professional Appraisal Practice. And, uh, and that is, that's basically the, the regulations that, uh, 
that control and, and regulate our industry. It's basically a code of ethics, and, and, it, and it, it's, it, it tells us what to do, what not to do, when to do it, how to do it, and so on. So the first thing I would say, uh, Matt and DJ, is that if, if someone is considering using uh, an appraiser and having personal property appraisal uh, done is – to the first question should be, are, are do you adhere to USPAP? That is it. That's the first question. Do you adhere to USPAP? And are your reports USPAP compliant? And uh, if the if the appraiser appraisal professional doesn't know what you're talking about, then the alarm bells need to go off. Okay, and you really you truly just need to then move on at that point, okay, Be- okay. because yep. that's, that's appraisal 101. So um, so we, we've been fortunate in that because we've been in business 40 years and, and, and all of our reports are USPAP compliant and we have accredited appraisers on staff and so on, that, uh, that we have secured uh, many of our clients are Department of Justice agencies uh, like uh, the FBI and uh, the DEA and the U.S. Marshals, and so on. And uh, as you can imagine, it's, it was a uh, it was an uh, ardent uh, vetting process for us to uh, be selected uh, by those agencies. And and uh, and then one more thing that was uh, would bring confidence to uh, people that would consider our service is that is that we've recently secured what's called the GSA schedule. Uh, GSA is the uh, General Services Administration, and like many folks know, that is the part of the government that basically pays outside vendors to provide all of the services and products to the federal, state, and local governments. And so what we did was we went through an 18-month process uh, to be vetted in order to be approved uh, by the federal government and uh, as a small business to provide uh, our appraisal service. So that's been, a, you know, a, a real big push for us. And, and what it's done is it's it's moved us from just working within the state of Florida, and and now we're frequently traveling around the entire country, and we've actually traveled outside of the country, uh, especially for uh, assets that were seized uh, overseas, where we had to go and actually identify and certify the value. So. Uh, it's been it's been a nice growth of business for our our family business. Excellent. Well, this that's a perfect segue for 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 me uh, talking about you guys doing business all over the country because as you know we do business all over the country as well. And so with that being said, um, we got about 15 minutes left here on uh, on Dima Live today, and um, we're moving right along at a, at a great clip, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I did want to mention uh, that our chapters in Chicago, San Diego, D.C. will all be having their monthly meetings this week. Uh, Houston, New York, Scottsdale chapters will be having their meetings next week. So if you want to be able to attend those or you'd like to see when the meetings are, you can find out anything that you need to know uh, regarding the schedule of our events at uh, our DEMA website, which is www.domesticmanagers.com. And uh, we have a list uh, of scheduled events that are upcoming. You can also uh, register to attend those events in that same area. 
I'd also like to remind everyone that the uh, National uh, DEMA Convention is fast approaching. Uh, early bird registration, as a matter of fact, ends uh, June 30th. Uh, the dates for the convention are August 26th through the 28th in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. We have a great cast of the speakers. Uh, one of those is on the line with us right now. Uh, so we're, we're really excited to be able to have him here uh, with us as well as joining us at the DEMA convention. Uh, you can get more information and register to attend the DEMA convention at our website, uh, www.demaconvention.com. Once again, that website is www.demaconvention.com. And um, so that's all, that's all I have for, for the notes. Uh, DJ, you want to pick it up from there? Sure, man. Ray, I, I'm so excited that you're going to be coming out to uh, Scottsdale for the convention. I'm really looking forward to meeting you. I think that your topic and helping our members there learn about how to be good at doing appraisals and, and help their principals with this aspect of their lives is going to be really valuable to us. But I, I would be curious to know how, how did you first hear about DEMA and, and what we're doing at the, the association? You know, um, I, uh, I feel so fortunate to be uh, a supporter of DEMA. Uh, I've, I've now been um, uh, a member for about uh, a year and a half now and, you know, I've just met just, a boatload of really interesting, friendly uh, folks, and uh, and it's been a, a great push for our business. Not that that was the main goal, you know, but uh, it, it sure is a nice uh, ancillary uh, part of it. And uh, but uh, Dima came on my radar from uh, from a gentleman who's developed into a good friend of mine. His name is Steve Feldman, and uh, Steve Feldman is the the president of renovation angel and and green demolitions up uh in uh, kind of north jersey dj i believe you well i believe you know steve and of course you do matt right i i absolutely I know do. steve and i know you do yeah absolutely right, DJ? And, uh, yeah he um i'll tell you he is a a wonderful energetic guy and he actually uh, gave me a nudge to uh, come to the national conference. I was uh, last year in Orlando and had a great time, but it was right up the road from me. Uh, but I'm looking looking really forward to come out to Arizona. But uh, let me tell you real quick about uh, Steve. So he he said, listen, you got to get in touch with these guys at DEMA because they're doing wonderful things, and and uh, he's he's played a big role. I know, and uh, he's going to play a big role at the at the convention. But um, Steve, uh, what I what I do with Steve is um, Steve basically his core business is a, a luxury reseller of of kitchens and cabinetry and counters and appliances and vanities and lighting and 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 uh, what I'm fortunate enough to do is receive referrals from Steve. I'm independent of Steve. I have to be because uh, the IRS requires that. But I receive referrals from Steve of the donors that, that donate these items to his organization in order for him to resell and, and, and you know, drive his charitable organization. And what I do then is I produce the, the report that the IRS requires in, in order for his donors to receive a tax deduction. So, you know, Steve's business has exploded 
uh, in the past year. And I know that as well as anybody because of the volume of referrals that I'm fortunate enough to receive. Uh, But I encourage everybody, uh, you know, to to jump on and and, uh, visit renovationangel.org and see what Steve's doing because it's an incredible organization. Yeah, that's why I, I completely agree with you. Steve is uh, is one of the sponsors. He's one of our biggest uh, uh, one of our biggest supporters, and uh, he'll definitely be a, a sponsor at this year's national convention. Um, and you know, w- with that being said, one of the things that I would like to bring up is that a lot of companies and businesses that are part of DEMA. One of the things that we look for is for those companies to have um, some type of of certification or be part of some association that will help them stay on the cutting edge of their particular industry. And so what my question would be to you is, is there an appraisers association and how have you benefited them from being a part of that? Yeah, great question. And it's very important uh, in our business because people, uh, let's be honest, we're coming into their very private space. I mean, we are going into their homes. We are touching and, and aware of their personal assets. And uh, so the first thing I say to folks is, number one, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our client. That means that, you know, it's, it's strict, strictly confidential. And we can't even release or even talk about our service to our clients to someone else unless our client uh, allows us to or under court order. Okay, so that's the first thing that's understood. As far as our professional accreditation, the two, the, the two really main driving organizations of our profession are the American Society of Appraisers, ASA, and the International Society of Appraisers. And also there's the uh, American Appraisers Association, AAA. But uh, we, have a, we have appraisers. I'm a member of ASA. My father is a, a senior member of ASA, and my wife is a member of ISA. So it is critical that, that, that we have ongoing uh, education. Uh, we have mandatory classes mandatory certification updates, and so on, in order to stay out in front and to understand what the changes are, the legality, the ethics, and so on. So very important for our business. Yeah, Ray, that's so good to hear. I know as a member of DEMA for just a short time, I want you to know how grateful that we are just as as this organization is kind of just getting its legs under it and getting started in the industry it means so much to us to have you supporting it. And so I just wanted to let you know that one of the things that I wanted to ask you yet before we wrap up today is that the, I, I know that since the financial collapse that occurred in 2008, that a lot of high net worth people have sort of shifted some of their investment strategies. And I know that collectibles are becoming a much bigger part of their portfolio because of the returns that they're getting. Like that's why art investments are such a big thing. And Matt and I have been talking to our guests over the past few weeks and asking them to tell us about the trends that they see within their industry. So before we wrap up today, I was just curious if you could tell us maybe some of the trends that you see from the appraisal world and, and kind of the, the things that you're dealing with coming down the, down the line. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, one way that we're really squeezed in our business is uh, – but it's a good thing. It's just part of our business. We we don't 
truly care what items are worth. And that's important because we can't be biased and we can't be advocates. We, you know, we have to work the process in order to provide an independent valuation. So we don't care, but we do care about accuracy, of course. And uh, oftentimes people are they're, uh, they're engaging us to appraise items and they have a vested interest and, uh, or they have a sentimental idea of what the value of things are and it, it, it can create disappointments. But uh, I'll tell you first off the thing that has taken the hardest hit to stay away from right now, and it certainly may come back, but antiques, antique furniture, I should say, um, brown antique furniture, and it's just simply a, a matter of supply and demand. Uh, you know, when we grew up, uh, you guys are probably a little younger than I am, but when we grew up, every house had a dining room. So that means every house had a dining room table and a buffet and a china cabinet and so on. Well, guess what? You buy houses now, and they don't even have a dining room. There's not a dining room space. So what does that mean? That means that, that all those pieces are not being absorbed in the marketplace. Uh, people, uh, generations are passing, and those items are coming into the marketplace, and there's not a demand to absorb those items. Antique furniture is getting pummeled right now in value. Okay. Now let's talk about the upside of things things that are, are trending up in value. In fine art, of course, it's, it's, it's more contemporary modern art, okay? Just absolutely red hot right now. It probably goes along now. If you see houses that are being torn down and rebuilt, they're being rebuilt as, you know, modern architecture, and that's, what, that's driving a lot of art. The, the other thing that I would suggest is if you want to look at a collectible to consider going forward, uh, I would say – coins for several reasons. Number one, it's bullion, okay? It's a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's easy to store, okay? You could put it in a safe deposit box. It's not like fine art that you have to worry about staining and discoloring and so on. And number three, it's liquid. If you really got into trouble, guess what? You could monetize it very quickly. Uh, so, uh, you know, we could talk about this for an hour, but that's what I would say if you're if you want to consider a new collectible category, consider coins. All right, there you have it. We're not going to let you talk anymore, Ray. That's it. You're done till convention. So um, that's it. If, if, if people want to hear more from you at this point, they have two options. They can either buy a convention ticket or they can contact you at. Yeah, you can reach me on a toll-free number eight eight eight. Three five three seven one five two. That's eight 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 three five three seven one five two. It rings right to me, or you can go to our website at nugentappraisal.com. dot com. There you go. Awesome. Well, this is just another perfect example of the great people that we have uh, that are part of the association from a vendor perspective. We really appreciate you taking the time to be on Dima Live today, Ray, and uh, and sharing some of the uh, the information and, and insider tips that you've uh, given today. Thank you very much for that. Thank you, gentlemen. I look forward to seeing you at the convention. 
All right, that sounds good. And as always, I'd like to thank DJ uh, for, for being on the show with me today as a co-host. Uh, if you have any questions regarding how you can become more involved in your local chapter of DEMA, or if you have any questions about the private service industry in general, please feel free to contact us at info at domesticmanagers.com. Once again, that's I-N-F-O at domesticmanagers.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a suggestion for a potential topic or guest that you'd like us to interview, please contact us at that same email address. If you can't catch our show live on Wednesdays at noon Eastern time, or if you'd like to listen to a previous episode, the show is available as a podcast on blogtalkradio.com and now iTunes. If you subscribe, you'll be notified when our posts are live for listening. We're excited to announce that we'll be back next week, uh, Wednesday, June 29th, when we'll be joined by the world's leading supplier of fine silver flatware, Christoph. I have been your host, Matthew Hack, and on behalf of my colleagues and the staff at DEMA, thank you for allowing us to continue to serve those that serve others.